0: welcome to episode 99 of the grip strip podcast the california dreaming and super events edition of the grip strip podcast one away from a big Milestone, uh, of course, number 99, uh, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, shared the same birthday with him. Uh, He's just a little bit more successful than I am, at least for now. Uh, Greg Moore, the late great Greg Moore, ran the number 99. There's other famous 99s, I think, over time. But um, this is episode 99. Hopefully, it'll be famous, too. Uh, My name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's good, brother?
1: I'm doing great, Phil. Of course, episode number 99. Uh, one before the milestone 100 and comes at a perfect timing as we get into, uh, the beginning of NASCAR season finally. And of course we had the NASCAR LA clash this weekend or this past weekend at uh, the LA Coliseum. It's pretty interesting event. Uh, and the racing wasn't, uh, too bad itself. And then of course, next, uh, Coming week after the Super Bowl, we have Daytona Five Hundred, and of course, it's going to be an exciting uh, event as always. As we officially debut the next gen car uh, as the first race of the season, and going to be interesting as we you know talk about that next week. But you know, of course, this week the Clash short track racing, quarter mile track, it was everything you could uh, expect it to be for the most part um, with short track racing as it is these days in NASCAR, and uh, it was a pretty interesting event. Uh, Something that could be tried again. We'll see what happens, what they decide, but you know, we'll get into it uh, later on. Of course, we'll talk about the Super Bowl as well. Preview uh, who we like uh, for both of us uh, to win the Super Bowl, the Bengals uh, versus the Rams. And that will be also in Los Angeles. Should be a pretty exciting event uh, and something to look forward to uh, this weekend.
0: Yeah, plenty to look forward to, plenty to talk about here tonight. Uh, we're getting into the heart of racing season now. Uh, I mean, uh, our buddies at the F1 Grid Talk podcast are coming back because there's been launches, multiple car launches. Um, We're going to mention that uh, the Blue Balls uh, launched their car car, uh, today. And um, that's the name I'm going to use for them, uh, at least on this show, because considering who runs them and how much they whine, they seem to have Blue Balls. Um, So... They that's there. You got Lando Norris and a, and a certain seven time world champion with over 100 wins and is one of the greatest of all time. Um, decided to um, come back, so we'll, we'll mention all that. Uh, race of champions, Formula E racing this weekend, and then we have motorcycle action, MotoGP, World Superbikes course testing um talk about the u.s open of bowling where anthony simonson continues to uh, set records just turned 25 a month ago just uh nearly just a little bit more a month ago and he's got a triple crown the youngest ever to get the triple crown and uh beat belmo in the semi-final to get to the final bdj tackett we'll talk about that briefly we'll get into the nfl coaching hires Along with the Super Bowl, which of course Josh has um, plenty to discuss, considering his team, the Jacksonville Jaguars made a hire and um, some of the hiring that went uh, that took place uh, over this last week or so, and who didn't get hired, um, as we talked about in the last episode, um, kind of clear here in this this episode too. Josh will talk about the sim game as per usual and iRacing and other sims and then we will close the deal um as we lead into daytona speed week and post super bowl and post the uh, 2021 nfl season so yeah the bush light clash at the coliseum um was the f- debut of the gen 7 car the new car whatever next gen car all these different things they called it whatever it is made their debut and uh it was interesting to say the least uh the tv broadcast i think was improved a lot because smoke was up there of course my bias can be kicked in there in a sense but i'll also say that tony actually knew what the hell he was talking about and did a really good job and basically made clint boyer look like mincemeat so it'll actually be good for him being up there for Daytona, even though neither him or Clint Boyer were really good at super speedway racing, which is um, funny. Um, that's the only justification to keep that fruitcake Michael Waltrip employed. Um, you know, they did a good job. The racing generally was clean, Josh, uh, most of the way until the second LCQ where Ty Dillon and Austin Cindric had everything but the lottery. Uh, Ty Dillon was able to pay it off and actually get into the main event, uh, showing that RCR, the RCR affiliated cars, all six of them made the main event. Um, you know, ca- counting the Colleague cars, the Petty GMS, and of course the RCR cars proper. Uh, Tyler Reddick had a good piece at the start of the main event and then had a, I think, a drive train ish drive shaft issue. Which also, or something like that, uh, same issue happened to Chase Briscoe. Uh, they were both running top five. Briscoe had a terrible qualifying run. He was the only one shifting, but then he moved up in his in his heat and was starting in the top eight. He was moving up in the in the first segment or in the first half um, before his mechanical issue knocked him out. Uh, the Stewart Haas cars were faster uh were relatively fast all of them i mean even cole custer was relevant um which is something considering he hasn't been relevant in a cup car basically ever um you know kevin harvick made it from the lcq and uh moved up to 10th you had eric almirola was probably going to uh, advance but todd gilland used him up you got all kinds of things i think the toyotas i mean at least the 2311 toyotas are just a little bit off. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff we can go over here for sure. But Pizza Face, who, um, uh, to my buddy Adam there, uh, we were talking about this race and stuff. uh, That's his nickname for Joey Logano. Him and uh, Brittany um, had their first daughter here uh, a couple days ago. So congrats to the Loganos on that. So there are three kids uh, now. They have so Amelia to go with hudson and jameson um busy definitely busy couple there now with three little ones uh, pizza face now as the leading guy at the penske racing has um at least etched his name in as somebody to look at in regards to the 2022 i mean to be fair he's been a championship contender more or less his entire time at penske racing so him winning this race was a lot to do. I mean, he had better better drive um, off the corners there later in the race and got past Kyle Busch, which probably made him very mad, but Kyle Busch handled it very well, um, which is showing the maturity, I guess, that's come with age or whatever. Uh, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, Eric Jones speaking to that, so the Petty GMS, so two RCR cars in the top five, and defending series champion Kyle Larson in fifth, William Byron, Cole Custer, Christopher Bell, AJ Allmendinger for uh, the um, colleague team ninth, and Kevin Harvick tenth. Um, Justin Haley had issues, but had a really fast car. Won his heat, I think. There, I mean there there is there's a lot of pieces here in this race um, of the 23 cars that made it. I mean, you had cars and you, the couple of the upset cars that. Um, I mean, Ty Dillon was going to make it, but got DQ'd, basically. Kurt Busch got wrecked. Alex Bowman, who's a contender and a, a playoff contender and won four races last year, didn't make it because he got into a wreck in that second LCQ. Uh, Martin Truex decided not to run the LCQ and was right for doing it. Uh, Brad Keselowski's car was dog crap. Um, Chris Busher's was slightly um, better. It's still crap. So Roush has a lot to RFK. Um, the RFK debut was not very good. I mean, there's I i keep on kind of meandering because I'm looking at the whole field. It, it's crazy. Um, we don't really talk about the cup series on here as much, uh, the last for this last year or so. Uh, but I kind of have energy with this this new car it, it there's i think there's some good things that can come from this honestly nascar is not known for making great decisions but this new car looks cool i think it races relatively well even on a quarter mile track i'm curious to see what it'll present at daytona um i'm sure it's gonna be relatively tame all the way up to the 500 with all the parts shortages that exist and the lack of cars. So it's going to be relatively tame up to the 500 outside of the teams that actually have to make the show um, on through the, through the duels or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, Joey Logano wins, Kyle Busch uh, finished second. Those are two of the best cars out there really the whole weekend. But there are other cars that probably wouldn't have been up there or haven't been up there for a long time that had chances uh, on Sunday afternoon in the Coliseum there, Josh, uh, where were you? What did you take away from Logano's uh, victory in the clash on Sunday?
1: Well, I think first with Logano winning, he led like the last 35 laps or so of that race and uh, had a chance to take the lead before the uh, break uh, for the halftime break. But um, then Kyle Bush took it back from him and then he was able to take it again uh, after that and basically led from there on out. And it does we, uh, talk about the – or it does show the uh, – uh, performance of the Fords, you know, we talked about uh, at Phoenix testing how the Fords, you know, the Penske cars had speed, uh, specifically, you know, Logano and and uh, Ryan Blaney, and we saw a little bit of that again uh, with Logano winning. Of course, uh, I think the Chevys, you know, the RCR cars had a lot to show. I mean, Tyler Reddick led the uh, first fifty-three laps before you know, breaking apart, and uh, probably would have been up there at the end if it weren't for that. And of course, uh, his teammate and Eric Jones, uh, Austin Dillon, um, they all finished pretty well up front uh, in the top five. Almondinger was in ninth. Uh, so all the RCR cars did uh, pretty well in this race. I mean, even uh, Hendrick, for the most part, um, you know, you saw in the LCQ number two, uh, Bowman raced well, uh, raced pretty hard with the leaders for the most part until he got crashed out later on. He was able, to, even when. He was able to uh, get back up there and try to get up to the lead or uh, wherever he was. um, But then until he got wrecked. And then, of course, you had Larson making some moves kind of in the second half of that race uh, in the main event. And William Byron was up there, too. So the Chevys had a lot to say uh, for even though they didn't win. you know, there was, their presence was definitely felt. Um, I do feel like Toyota uh, looked pretty weak overall, uh, you know, especially with uh, twenty three eleven. Uh Bubba Wallace was pretty slow all weekend. Uh, Kurt Busch uh, got crashed out. I mean, I think he looked better than Bubba, but, you know, he got crashed out uh, in that LCQ. Uh, Denny Hamlin, even though he won his LCQ and pretty much dominated that one, ended up uh, finishing dead last uh, after an issue with his uh, power. So... Uh, outside of Kyle Busch, I mean Toyota looked did not look the best. Uh, uh, like maybe we thought they might be, and I mean Kyle Busch for himself, I mean led or you know started on pole, uh was pretty fast up there, so he looks like he may be rejuvenated, of course, and uh, did have a chance to win. I was talking about it with you after the race, and I thought Kyle Busch could have uh could have won that race. I mean, he was looking like he was tracking towards the lead with about, you know, maybe seven or eight to go, uh, was got, had gotten up to, uh, Joey Logano's bumper, but, you know, curiously, and maybe a little out of character for Kyle Busch, he didn't use the bumper, uh, especially on a short track when you kind of have to do that and was kind of thinking he would, but, um, decided, I guess he decided not to, decided to uh, try to race him cleanly for the win and lost his, uh, tires and, uh, ended up. Uh, falling back uh, with the last couple of laps and handing the win to Logano. So as far as the teams, um, I mean, it looks like, yeah, Ford, probably the best, and then Chevy, and then Toyota. And then, of course, I think the racing itself, um, it, we're probably going to see a lot of comers and goers, I think, in this uh, event. I mean, you, I think Kyle Busch, you know, he was able to stay for the uh, for the most part. Uh, Joey Logano was kind of in the middle, and then, you know, as, as the race went on, he was able to go towards the front. Uh, the Chevy's course they stayed uh, up in the top 10 for the most part but um this uh the, w- with the way this car races you're able to um make your way through the field i think as long as you can manage the tires it looks like uh, so i feel like maybe that's a little bit different than what we've seen in the past um, of course in the past you know with the gen 6 it was more aero-dependent and uh it's not as aero-dependent at a quarter mile but um looks like uh the handling was improved. Uh, it was kind of interesting how they were able to really uh, use the apron in both turn one and two and then uh, three and four at this track, uh, trying to use as much track and you know cut as much corner as they could, uh, which that was a pretty interesting aspect of that as well, especially going over the rumble strips. They didn't really impact the car's handling uh, as maybe what I thought it would Uh, because normally you know if you go over the rumble strips too much like on a road course it upsets the handling of the car you lose time but here uh this track it didn't really seem to upset it too uh too much so that was a pretty interesting aspect of that and then uh the crashing of course i mean there wasn't really that much crashing in the main event but of course lcq2 uh was really where the action was at in terms of crashing and then kind of saw the uh, what kind of damage these cars could take? Kurt Busch uh, had a pretty heavy impact into the wall uh, in that one, and then got you know, had to uh, drop out of the race. And then, and then main event, uh, we saw Justin Haley uh, basically get sent into the uh, inside retaining wall, the temporary wall that they put up there for this race, and by Kyle Larson, and saw their left front wheel basically get torn up, and the uh, left front uh, sheet metal get torn up and shredded. Uh, so we kind of see what damage might be looking like. And of course, uh, Eric Almarola and uh, Ty or yeah, Tide Dillon getting into it or Todd Gillen getting into it in the first LCQ uh, and immediately retiring after that. So we're still seeing retirements, of course, and then of course the parts as well uh, with Ryan Blaney uh, dropping out of the race. Uh, Tyler Reddick dropping out, Chase Briscoe dropping out. Of course, both of those cars due to drive chain issue, issues. And then uh, Ryan Blaney, he was able to still make it back into the race. But, of course, multiple laps down uh, from that. So uh, we still see a lot of parts issues. And, you know, hopefully they're able to uh, rectify those issues before Daytona. And uh, it'll be interesting, you know, especially at some of these other tracks where you might have more shifting involved, especially with the uh, this extra gear that they're gonna have with fifth gear rather than maybe at Daytona where it's pretty much flat out. Um or you know, we're anywhere where you're going to have a lot of wear and tear on parts. It's going to be interesting to see which teams are able to have their cars last the longest uh, as they go throughout a race without uh, having to worry about a parts issue or something like that. So a lot of interesting things that we may see uh, themes that we may see later, uh, later in this year that might play out. Uh, But, you know, for the most part thought it was a pretty solid debut as far as the racing goes for uh, the cup series and the next gen car.
0: Yeah. I mean, The mechanical problems we saw, I mean, it's a new car, new everything, a lot of new things for NASCAR relative to what they've been doing. You know, some of the cars that fell out, it's better that you fall out of this race than the Daytona 500 with those problems. So, having those problems probably isn't such a horrible thing um, given, but. You know, as a Briscoe fan, you wanted to, I wanted to see him run up front and he was there and he had a car and he was shifting and that was working there. They needed the extra side, did the drive off and that, that might be a thing. The fact that he was shifting led to the drive shaft failure uh, because, you know, you're putting more torque into the car, driving, dropping down from second to first. I mean, you're only going 60 something miles an hour. So you're just dropping down in the first, going through the corners you're there you're trying to dive corners you couldn't get out of the exit you tried to roll the corner you're giving up the inside it was an it was it was interesting and it was different and it's better than running at daytona and yard sailing a bunch of cars which um is likely to happen this time next next year um but you know we'll see what happens the coliseum great venue for of course legendary venue olympics super bowls usc football when they were actually worthwhile um they've various other leagues that is isn't the nfl other football leagues have played there steve young uh, made his um pro debut uh, in the usfl there um with the la express was given what is it 10 million dollars but that was in like an annuity his mom wanted to tell everybody that it was an annuity but the fans didn't want to listen um because they were drunk uh, so that was interesting i mean it's a i like the track um i'm not sure cup cars are exactly the greatest thing to be doing there but then bowman gray exists so you know and there are other short tracks around the country to do that so it's a nice novelty I don't think it's gonna go much past that unless they decide to go to like Canada and run on some of the ovals they have in Canada, which would actually be cool. Or they go to like Mexico City at Hermanos Rodriguez um, and they do something like that. Um, since the Mexico Series, Toyota Mexico Series runs Hermanos Rodriguez, they have an oval configuration. So I mean, there's there's um, options for sure. Um, it it was nice. It was different. Uh, and it it makes, it it gives me hopes, Uh, but this car, the fact that it seems, at least initially, um, Ford was out to lunch last year, Ford is back, that's good, Um, Penske, with, even with their changes, um, it looks like Joey Logano definitely is going to be a factor. Um, I mean, it's hard to Joey Logano and Paul Wolf. They're going to win a championship. Uh, It's a matter of when. Um, And Joey Logano wants that second championship for the to validate. You know, it's the same way Kyle Busch, to be fair about how he's won either of his championships. I mean, neither of them have been exactly the most convincing. Um, The first one, he missed 13 races because he decided to run an Xfinity race at Daytona and break his leg. Um, The second one, he needed everybody, his teammates to shit the bed, but he is a two-time Cup Series champion. Um, if Logano gets that second championship for all the crap he took at Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, it validates what Brad saw, what Roger Penske saw in picking him up. And um, he's going to be the leader of Penske's cup operation for a long time because Shell Pennzoil ain't leaving. They're, they're committed to him. Uh, so that's it. That's the guy. Um, Blaney um, is, a, is a guy that ha- he took a step forward he's gonna to have to take another step with jonathan hassler's his crew chief sindrick is gonna win on road course maybe win multiple races on the road course um with this car the way it is i think he's gonna be somebody that's gonna be deadly um there but he's gonna struggle elsewhere um, he looks kind of like the dart without feathers austin sindrick and might have been just because it was the clash or whatever but i feel like his oval um, prowess is going to be an issue um, during the season. But then when you consider he's running against what Todd Gilland and um, I forget who they said, because there's another uh, rookie uh, in the cup series. Uh, I was just looking at the thing on Jay ski. They showed the 11 um, Harrison Burton. So Harrison Burton, actually that was one thing I took away. Josh Harrison Burton quietly, very quietly, Um, did a good job Um, it was nice to actually have somebody who has talent driving the 21 again Um, but he quietly did a good job and got himself into the main kind of I mean it's crazy he's now in cup and he looks just like his I mean he drives just like his dad you don't he may not see him at the start of the race but he'll get you there he'll get you a finish and he'll do a solid job and that's a way to go and build a career and I think that's what all what you know they want what the woods want from jet or, or Harrison and I think that's a good sign for this year I think he's gonna be a surprise guy I mean we'll we'll talk about cup more next week on the show and all three major NASCAR series kind of preview that could work on some people to come on hopefully but I was I was pleasantly surprised by how Harrison drove he was very but in the sense, when your dad is a guy that made a career out of being very calm, calculated, and, you know, made the most out of his situation, no matter what car he was in, I guess he's a chip off the old block. Um, he looked like somebody who's actually going to, who has that talent, even though last year in an Xfinity car, it just didn't seem like anything really worked.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a interesting uh rookie battle or i guess like look at some of these rookies um i i think with cendrick he got into it a lot in lcq2 and definitely showed a lot of aggressiveness there but yeah i agree with you on harrison burton especially the the way he raced uh he was quietly uh up there like you said he didn't really uh you know do a whole lot wrong and he could be a quiet contender, uh, for the, uh, rookie of the year, uh, championship or uh, award, especially, uh, considering really his only main competition is going to be Austin Kendrick. I mean, I don't really see Todd Gilland. I mean, Todd Gillen might do some things, but I think consistently overall, uh, it's going to probably face uh, between him and Austin Kendrick. And really it's Penske two Penske, Penske. rookies because and data uh, yeah, pairing too yeah they're sharing data and and ford really i mean it, the three contenders are all within ford so there's that data sharing as well so that's going to be an interesting aspect i think with uh the the rookie battle because they're all going to be under the same manufacturer and ford does like to uh keep a lot of uh collaboration between their teams uh so you know being under uh the same manufacturer and you know having all of that data sharing uh even if one of them's uh, a, separate entity it's going to be a uh, really curious to see what the rookie battle is going to look like because i think week-to-week basis it's going to be Cindric versus uh versus harrison burton but maybe todd gilland every now and then may surprise us uh in some of these races where that uh, 38 car could compete against uh, some of the bigger teams but i think with uh harrison you, uh, it was very quiet, didn't do a lot wrong, but of course there was the issue of, um, I mean, not really an issue, but I, I think he did get into a couple of incidents in LCQ two. but I don't think any of those were really his fault, uh, but he was still able to make it into the race. Of course, uh, uh, had good fortune because Ty Dillon did get DQ'd out of the event, jumping the last restart, but was able to make it into the race, and then he uh, proved what he was able to uh, do, especially uh, in that, I mean, he did finish 12th, in the main event but i mean i think you know it was you know competing against everybody else but at the same time you know especially in lcqt you're able to see what he was able to do in uh in a race but uh Sendrick, of course was reckless and in lcq2 and uh got into it a a few times but we'll see what he's able to perform at some of the uh the other tracks that we go to especially i think the speedways he was good at speedway racing and uh the intermediates in in the 22 xfinity cars so we'll see if some of that success begins to transfer over and then of course road courses uh cindric is going to have a lot of experience there and everything so it's going to be an interesting rookie battle for sure this season i think
0: Yeah, it's going to be a good one. And there's going to be a, I think there's going to be a good balance. When they go to road courses, I mean, Cindric's going to be a favorite, along with, of course, the veterans that all stand out. You know, AJ Allmendinger will be out there running the 16 car more than likely at road courses, as long as it's a companion event. You know that, you know, the Briscoe is, is, is a sneaky guy. And then you have the Gibbs guys who always run up there. You have Penske, you have Hendrick, which, you know, with their track day car, um, conveniently has become the number one road course team. Um, I say conveniently because they're basically allowed to go and test on road courses, like on the most unlimited relative to other teams. But, you know, that's kind of like the gray areas and Chad Knauss is the VP. So, I mean, he, he knows gray areas. Um, he's like the modern day Gary Nelson, um, Yeah, I mean, that's uh, we're going to get into more. We'll have a couple of practices on Tuesday to go and uh, chew on at Daytona. It'll be single car runs, most likely, um, at least in the first practice. I I doubt many people want to run in a pack. Uh, There's, as of now, the unofficial entry list uh for the Daytona 500 says 42 cars for 40 spots so it'll be six for four in regards to the um non-chartered vehicles uh, there are at least uh, at least one unannounced chartered uh vehicle who's gonna be in that car um the Spire 77 uh but uh, based on Jay it's saying that'll be Landon. I mean Landon Castle had a good to be fair, that's another one. Landon Castle had a good car. Um, kinda got knocked around. Um, he was better than Corey LaJoy for sure. Um, but he got knocked around there considering Landon Castle's finally in good equipment for the first time in years. Um, it'll be cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what he'll do for colleague um on a full time basis. We'll talk about that um more next week. I mean that the cup series we got into that we talked about you know the parts and i i think i'm concerned about what we're going to see up until the 500 i don't think it's not going to be much there really shouldn't be a, a duel of this year there's not enough cars to justify the duels and that's been the case for a few years the way that the charter system works you're locking in 90 Plus, basically ninety percent of the field, um, you're just asking to destroy equipment. And with the the lack of cars, and I mean the the durability was there uh, during this duel, the clash. And I was worried it would be a demo derby. The second LCQ was, but otherwise it was relatively tame. But I also think it's relatively tame because all these teams know they don't have jack crap parts wise. So if they don't have parts. You can't be running so hard, you can't be going doing all the. So I honestly wonder what we're gonna see up to the 500. I figure it'll be a yard sale because it's the Daytona 500. It's the biggest race of the year. It's the Super Bowl stock car racing. You want to win this race. Um, but they aren't gonna yard sale anything up until um, until the race itself. Um, I think the duels are going to be a complete bore fest. Um, it'll be very processional. There'll be I think the only real incidents are gonna be going on to pit road and coming off. Um, unless a couple of people are very aggressive. And I, I figure it'll be within the non chartered teams, but I guess we'll see in regards to that, in regards to the parts. Um, I mean, you you brought up a good point there. Um, before we move on to the news, you brought up a good point in regards to the fans. You know, fifty thousand or so, I think they said at the coliseum. Yeah, fifty I mean, thousand. that place can hold a lot more, but it's you. You had a lot of late people showing up there a lot of people have never been to a nascar race and of course nascar is very desperate are desperate to go and find new fans um me being a fan of 30 years uh basically um josh you've been a fan for 20 now 20 now i mean it's it's yeah that's the first time you actually feel old it's okay don't worry about it (laughs) um but the fact is we're we're not their their target audience. We're not their target audience. They're looking for lay fans. They're looking for people that don't really know the sport and they're trying to sell it um to L C D types. And they're also trying to sell it to people that might actually have a clue um but the rea- reality is this time next year when they run this race again at the Coliseum is it gonna be fifty thousand or is it gonna be twenty five thousand? because the LA fans are very fair weather um they're as fair weather as any fan base the LA Rams don't have a fan base the Niners Chargers. still the the Chargers are not I mean they're non-existent but they shouldn't even be there the Rams when they were in the Coliseum they couldn't do shit And now they're in SoFi and the Niners had 60% of the fans during the NFC championship game and they fucked it up. Um, which, which is, yeah, but, um, it's, it's to me, I I I mean I, I don't know what you think, but I have a hard time believing you're going to get a return, even if there's more aggressive action next year. You can what are you going to do? You're going to be like, Sunday Sunday Sunday. They're going to go and run over each other. I mean, you need Chris Economaki to go and sell it like the way he used to sell the board races in his heyday, the late great Chris Economaki. Oh, there's somebody that went and flipped over and he caught on fire. You know, like you need to have somebody like that to go and put this thing over because I don't think it's going to be that way. Um and they're, they and I and if you move it to a different area maybe where there's more fans, but if you're literally looking for city, big cities and you're trying to go and do this carnival barking crap I mean, I I don't really know if they'll show up again uh, personally, Uh, but maybe in a year's time with more cars and there might be more aggression, but then you're also might as well set up a boxing ring in the middle of of the Coliseum at that point and then let them box each other. That would be better than the actual racing, to be fair, to see if some of these guys can actually fight because I mean, most of them are fucking pussies, but I don't know what you think, Josh.
1: Yeah, I think for the fan attendance, I mean, it was a a good turnout uh, for, you know, relative to some NASCAR races. Um, They were talking about this race getting 50,000 compared to uh, the last couple of years holding the Clash at Daytona. Of course, a lot more fans there. Uh, Better uh, TV ratings and everything, of course, being on Fox Network TV versus FS1, which is on cable. Uh, I think There's uh, numbers there that can possibly justify the event staying in L.A., but then, yeah, I think the sustainability of it uh, going to next year, how many people could they expect to return, that's still a big question. I think maybe an indicator that uh, we could have uh, some kind of sustainability is if there's an increase in fans at uh, Fontana when they go race there uh, really in a couple of weeks from now, uh, the second race of the year. So that's going to be a... Maybe early indicator, especially it's, it's close enough to the clash where, um, people that were in town for that event, if they were locals, they could go back to, uh, Fontana, uh, and attend that race, uh, and get a different, you know, getting, of course, taste and, um, you know, more, I guess, authentic, not really authentic, but of course, more traditional experience of uh, NASCAR racing and um, what it has to offer at the racetrack rather than at a stadium converted to a track. Um, So I think that's something that the executives are going to have to look at. Of course, you know, if next year they decide to run it again, um, they're not going to have the Super Bowl to pair along with it as well because that was one of the factors, I think, in putting it in LA is the fact that it's going to be the week before the Super Bowl. They can probably attract people that are, um, in town already for the Super Bowl, and then um, you know, attract people from there along with uh, local fans. Um, so I think they've they've got to figure out a way to balance that out, um, and figure out um, how to uh attract fans, um, that, who are there who may be there for other events and want to get in town, uh, to watch that. Um, it could be a, a thing like the NHL Winter Classic. Of course, that's a rotating event, uh, every year where they go to. Different places. Um, But I mean, there's not really a whole lot of places I feel like that, you know, NASCAR could potentially go to. Um, I mean, they'd have to basically create another track like they did here uh, with uh, the Coliseum. Um, Of course, this car is a you know meant for road course racing so maybe they try out a street race event in another city uh you know, the theme being you know bring the racing to the people and this was kind of in in that sense with the clash uh being in an already uh established location in the middle of a city uh or you know in inside a city limits rather than a somewhat remote location like most of the the tracks are uh, so if if they're able to you know, figure out a way to do street racing as a clash event, that might be interesting. Of course, uh, we'll have to see how well people you know like uh, this as a road course race, uh, or going back to road course race rather than a short track uh, like it was last year. Uh, so we have to look at it from that angle Uh, of course there's also the attractions as well before and during the event of course you had pitbull who's an owner in the series of course natural fit there uh pretty easy decision to make um and you know people a lot of people still listen to uh, pitbull and go to his concerts and ice cube i mean it's not that it's just because it's ice cube but i mean in my opinion i'm not sure how relevant he is to you know some of the younger people i mean i mean you look at the crowd on tv um looked like people are awkwardly into it and i mean it's not because a bunch of white people are not into rap music i think it's just because like you know ice cubes you know been been around for a long time and you know maybe some of his music uh don't really listen to it anymore and maybe if you got somebody that was maybe newer or more recent you know like something like um you know Drake or Post Malone or something, uh, somebody of that caliber. I mean, Post Malone had that video with danny Hamlin and Bubba. I mean, they could have made that connection. They could there. have used that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah. think
0: Snoop would have been better, but I mean, he's already Snoop's got the
1: Super Bowl doing the
0: Super Bowl. So they lost him. They lost Dre. Um, they lost options on that one. Having Armando perform was because his car, one of his cars, was in the main event. Yeah. Um, so that was convenient, uh, for Armando. Uh, but even like the, it seemed weird, like they were totally detached. The fans just weren't into it. I'm like, you have you have a concert with frickin Pitbull Armando, as I like to call him, because that's what Justin Marks like to call him, because that's his government. Um, And then you have a legend and you're I mean, come on. I mean, I'll, most of them are not NASCAR fans. You're there for the entertainment and you're going to tell me you're not going to mark out for that crap. Like, what the hell do you want? You want some asshole from TikTok? You want some piece of shit that does YouTube videos? Like, come on, man. I mean, I would have been happy with that, along with the racing. And because his cars sound good, they look good, but... That's a problem in LA. That's like another reason why it pisses me off that the fucking Rams are in the Super Bowl because their fans are completely, most of them are irrelevant. They don't even know that the Rams are freaking like, Oh, they're a Dodger fan when they're good. And then when the Dodgers struggle, Oh, they're not a fan the, the, the LA Lakers have a bunch of old fucks. Where the hell, where, where the hell are they? They're not showing up to, to the Bitcoin stadium or whatever the hell they call Staples center. Now. I mean, they, they, It's, it's just, it's typical, um, lost LA, um, fandom, which is why I'm concerned about what the long-term, um, you know, returns will be on that. I mean, they had a Southwest tour event there for a couple of years.
1: Yeah. uh, Back in the late nineties,
0: late nineties, early, whatever, like 99, 2000, some crap like that. Matt Crafton was a young gun that tells you all you need to know about how long ago it was. Um, We have some news about Matt Crafton to mention and his uh, um, former sort of teammate um, here shortly. But and Kevin Harvick was a young gun, too. So that tells you how long ago it was. And I think that was around that. That was again around um, the I don't know if it was the L.A. sports arena or if it was actually around the old um, arena that the L.A. Lakers played at. I'm trying to remember there it, it was around the Coliseum that that yeah, uh, I think I, it was it, in
1: the Coliseum parking yeah. lot. I think that's what they said uh, in the past and I have to go back and look at that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the sustainability of that, we'll see what happens. And I mean, they have an option to go back next year and the year after which we'll have to see if the, they end up honoring that um but then that ties it to just la and again like the super bowl it, it made it convenient because the super bowl was already in la but next year i mean of course it's not going to be in la um that being the only event i mean it, it could be could be a you know nice niche event but um to be able to sustain the numbers uh, it's going to be a pretty difficult task and I could also factor in to the decision-making for uh, NASCAR because they wanted to uh, turn Fontana Speedway into a a short track next year. And uh, of course, it looks like maybe they might not be. I mean, I think that's still the plan right now, but they may be evaluating whether they'll uh, change it into into a short track or not. Maybe they'll just keep it as a super speedway or speedway as it is. So that can be uh, something to, you know factor into uh, their decision making, especially if uh, they might be dependent on this uh, as an event in the future. Because if they are dependent, then maybe don't change the uh, Fontana track into a short track, because then of course having two short tracks and relatively the same area may not um, be a, a good idea, especially one's like 40 minutes away from the other, um, probably a little bit too close for that. And then you keep keep one as uh, have a variety in both areas. but. The That's going to be a, another thing to look at. But, you know, of course, the uh, overall sustainability. I mean, yeah, the LA crowd, I mean, we've seen it before. I mean, even with Fontana crowds being lackluster in the past, Riverside's gone away. Um, you know, the original uh, Mesa Marin Speedway's gone away. Current, uh, or I think it's Kern County, you know, has gone away. But or that's the new track, but the original track is gone and uh, that short track. And then, of course, um, I mean, other, other tracks that have been around in California before. And then of course the attendance issues that they've had in the NFL that have been ongoing, you know, since at least the seventies and eighties and with all the teams that they've had there. So yeah, the LA scenes, you know, very, very uh, fair weather, like you said, and uh, we'll have to see if, if um, they can retain some of that uh, crowd, if they decide to come back next year.
0: Yeah. it's something we're going to have to see for sure. Uh, you talked about um, the old Mason it, it, and Bakersfield. There's uh, tracks that are. I- truck series ran at mesa marin was um in i think it was arizona right i thought it was arizona mesa marin um, no i
1: think that was in california because that was kevin harvick's track that he he basically grew up racing at um in his uh early southwest tour career
0: oh yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. i'm sorry that was the old bakersfield track yeah mesa marin raceway east of bakersfield that was his home track and now it's a freaking mall uh the same way as they basically turned <laughs> um they turned uh the uh riverside raceway into um a, a, a home complex in a mall too and it was a great road course legendary road course so that'll be interesting too to see i didn't know That there was talk in regards to ACS and whether they're going to turn it into a short track or keep it what it is, because they're going to have to repave it too, Um, whatever they do, because Atlanta finally gave in. Um, So, you know, I I mean, if they're going to repave it, they should be looking to get IndyCar back there and that should be the play at michigan because they only have one race uh, if indycar if they if penske wanted to go and do a solid based on his own racetracks he could go and go back to both of those places um and redo the triple crown again because they're not going back to pocono unfortunately Um, on i mean it's sad for me as a local guy you can get there but drivers don't want to go there it's too much bad juju um between Justin Wilson and Robert Wickens um you know and so and and, and I have a hard time believing if it, my and I that's a whole other separate conversation about the viability of P- Pocono Raceway since they only have one weekend but then they have other stuff going on so I think they'll be okay I think Dover's done after this year which is depressing um but that's SMI for you um yeah we're going off on tangents here I'm going off on tangents here so I apologize um next year is Glendale uh the the the, the uh, pink uh, whatever I forget there's there's the Pepto-Bismol Stadium uh State Farm Stadium it's been called other things it looks like a vagina. Um, then that's next year's Super Bowl uh location. So the Arizona Cardinals have a chance to make it three years in a row. Um, they won't. Um, and of course the Raiders definitely won't make the Super Bowl the following year because of the Raiders. And the uh, Super Bowl what is it, fifty-nine will be in uh, New Orleans. Um by then I figured Dennis Allen's gonna get fired, so it won't really matter. Um fact of the matter is are they going to run new orleans they had a street course race with imsa back in the day vegas has had numerous different entities they ran in caesar's parking lot formula one they ran a street course race uh in indycar for once one one time dave um, reno at Trans Am, where young Tom Kendall uh, won at least one of those times. I think he won both times, but maybe it was like one, one time. And then Mike Borkowski won, or I might be mixing that up with Colorado, whatever the Pikes Peak. There's And then in Glendale, of course, you have uh, Phoenix International Raceway in Avondale, which is one of the shittiest tracks on earth now. Um, So how are you going to really do that? Can you go to like Tucson Raceway Park. It'd be like, Oh yeah, let's go to Tucson Raceway Park and run the Clash. That would be a cool thing. You know, go to Vegas and run the bull ring. So you bring it back to the, the Bush brothers. If if Kurt Bush is still driving, go and go back to where their career started. It'd be a, a great, great storyline. That would be a way to connect past and present they're in instead of all like oh we're gonna go and do it on the strip you can't stop the strip for three days that's just not gonna happen and in Arizona I mean Arizona's whatever not gonna go down that road um in regards to where their state is but there's really I mean you could run around the stadium in Glendale but nobody cares um Phoenix International Raceway was it other than that I don't remember. You can go to Firebird, I guess, but that's in the middle of nowhere in Arizona. So, and so they could it, try it Long is, Beach.
1: That could be an option.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, but long, but does go and they they have two big events. Uh, I don't know if they have the logist if the logistics are there to that's go. That's and- fair. Um, Jim Michelinian is one of the best in regards to, uh, running events. And I know there was a rumor about trying to run NASCAR there to go or stock cars, you know, kind of to go and leverage, um, IndyCar, but they, they ran the race at the end of the year. I mean, I think you could run the long beach Grand Prix on, on Christmas. And I think people will show up the long beach Grand Prix could be run on Easter. And I think people will show up that's the thing it's it's long beach it's uh it's one of the biggest events period um in regards to motorsports it's a it's an iconic event winning that race means a lot uh, the clash on the other hand has lost its luster um in recent years but maybe this year's event changed the tune a little bit we'll see about that uh Let's switch over to uh, some news. Let's get into some news. Mentioned the uh, Joey and Brittany Logano news uh, with their baby daughter. We um, will mention rookies again: uh, Sindrick, Harrison Burton, Gilliland, and Cup. Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill who are running as uh, teammates at RCR, and Jesse Wujci who's getting Chevy support. To run uh, his effort with uh emmett smith and they're also going to work with um what is it called jd motorsports for whatever that's worth and then in the truck series you have jack wood dean thompson lawless allen one of the greatest names ever um Corey heim Blake Perkins um I think Wood Thompson Allen and Perkins are all full season drivers uh Corey Heim is running 15 races so it'll be harder for him to win rookie of the year but in that sense but then he's in the best equipment Jack Wood is in GMS and they only have two trucks and he has Grant Enfinger as his teammate um the other three guys the teams they're at are not exactly the best so it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do uh what is it trevor bain announced that he's going to run seven races with joe gibbs racing randomly for some reason yeah um
1: now he's got money that's that's what it is yeah
0: devotion nutrition um i i mean whatever uh i saw the joke on twitter from one of the people i follow it's like oh yeah he's gonna be the replacement for kyle bush i'm like yep I, there's something going on. I didn't know what was going on, but Trevor Bain is... I, that's what happens when Kyle Bush is not running Xfinity races. You get Trevor Bain coming back from running his coffee shop to go and dr- drive seven races. I mean, what's next? Let's get Sam Hornish from being a substitute teacher and he'll run another five races. We don't even know what number Ty Gibbs is running. Uh, And the Xfinity series starts next week. I'm like, are you kidding me? The guy is probably a favorite to win this championship. We don't know what car he's running. Uh, that's that. I mean, it tells you where the Xfinity and truck series are at at this point. Um, um Speaking of um, balls, uh, Dude Wipes is sponsoring Anthony Alfredo for uh, 10 races and uh, our Motorsports 23. Um, so that'll be good for him. Kyle Weatherman has LS Tractor sponsoring him with the DGM effort. And Josh, we've got Josh Williams talking about sponsors bringing to BJ McLeod's team. You have uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt's going to run for Sam Hunt Racing. They have a bunch of different drivers. Running over there, Jeff Hensley left. Uh, um, Maggie on Brett Moffett to go and have a full time opportunity with Matt Crafton. So that's that's big news. Uh, Jeff Hensley is one of the best crew chiefs in the sport. Has been a championship contender, won championships going all the way back to uh 1990 with Chuck Brown and the family team they had uh in the Bush Series with the Nescafe Pontiac. So bringing it. 30 plus years later, and he's still around in this sport and crafting, trying to get that fourth championship, tying uh, his his mentor, one of his mentors, and Ron Hornaday Jr. Uh, he's got a big guy to go and replace a good friend of his and Junior Joyner, and to get Jeff Hensley, I think, is a huge get by um door sport racing in regards to the truck series uh speaking of junior joiner johnny sauter it looks like johnny sauter is going to be able to run more or less a full season Uh, he lost his full-time ride at door sport but they're going to run a they're basically going to run a third truck it looks like uh part-time and he will be uh with junior joiner who's um, gonna run, uh, be the crew chief there for the limited races in that spot. Trying to go through some of these teams, whatever. Blake Perkins, full season, so that's full season 12. Um, Boyd, yeah, Boyd is gonna run full season. Tanner Gray eh, and Ankrum will run for a Tory. Uh, you, know, you got Chandler Smith full time, Derek kraus Chevy. Um, and fingers full time with Jack Wood as the GMS drivers, but they're committed, of course, to Cup, two car Cup Series effort. Um, Maggot on D. Burrito and the Rackley War 25. Tate Fogelman driving the On Point 30. Zane Smith takes over the 38 uh, front row motorsports Ford full time, which is interesting. So that'll be something for him. He's in the Ford camp. Jose Ovar is the veteran now at Nice jaskill g2g motorsports uh, that's in quite a combination there with matt jaskill johnny Sauter, tim vines and roger roos um, i mean vines and roos are both useless at life um especially vines um i'm surprised he wasn't at january 6th um yeah you got the 51 right now probably kyle Busch will be doing his five races there Heim's going to run 15 races, and they'll have some other people that go and get added in. Uh, Hattori, of course, will have Chase Purdy, too, with his sponsorship and not being great. Um, Colby Howard will uh, move to be the teammate of Derek Krause in the 91. Uh, Thorsport, yeah, defending series champion Ben Rhodes, Christian Eckes, and Matt Crafton So they'll only run three full-time trucks, and then they'll have a a third part-time or fourth part-time truck with, uh, I guess, a 13 with uh, Johnny Sauter, And trying to go through some of these other people. I mean, some of this crap isn't, that's not really there um i guess uh cmi what's his name ray Sicarelli. hopefully we don't have to deal with ray Sicarelli anymore but i think he will be around um because he's a cellar dweller um i'm trying to go and look at trying to find some other news other things to look at Yeah, Corey Haim announced the sponsorships and things like that. I mean, it's crazy to think that we're a week from now, we're going to have the duels and there's stuff that still hasn't been announced for the, I mean, the truck series, it comes right down to the wire in a lot of ways, but it tells you the health of the series. The Xfinity series is kind of the same deal. Um, There aren't going to be any real competitive Fords this year. Uh, Which is not great. You know, the Gibbs team hasn't announced the full lineup. And, you know, I, I think Chevy has JR Motorsports and then they have, or JRM and RCR now with their two car effort to kind of go and hold them up amongst all the little teams that have Chevys. But, um, I mean, I guess before we move on to other parts, I mean, it, it's kind of bad, you know. I mean, I know we're in COVID time, and money's tight, and things are going on, and certain things, but it, it kind of speaks to the health of those series that we're kind of having to wonder where these people are coming from, or in colleague too. Sorry, I forgot about colleague. In the Xfinity side, but um, the health of these series relative to what we're um, looking at over the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair question to ask: How healthy are these teams really? I mean, you look at a lot of these deals being put together last minute. Um, I, I think it speaks uh, volumes to whether or not you know Xfinity is actually healthy, and trucks, you know, whether they're healthy. I mean, of course, well, there's always going to be the big teams that uh, go out and compete. Uh, you know, the ones that have cup support or um, some kind of affiliation with cup and the manufacturers, but you know, a lot of these independent teams that make up most of the field, you know, beyond the top 15, um, they have a hard time putting deals together and finding drivers, uh, to you know, be able to run for uh, the whole year, uh, so. It's going to be uh, tough, you know, as we go throughout the year, you know, which teams are able to keep some of these deals together, um, which, you know, teams end up having to um, cut back on their schedule if they have to or, you know, if they have to run multiple drivers per race. Of course, you know, some drivers may only be sponsored for a handful of races and then they can't get more than that. So they've got to get other uh, drivers to fill in with more sponsorship. Um you know, being very, very general here, but you know, we've seen it in the past with some of these teams and, you know, being able to hunt for sponsorship is always a challenge in motorsports. But it seems like maybe this year maybe even more challenging, you know, especially with costs uh rising and stuff. I mean everybody has to deal with inflation and all that stuff. But um it's gonna be interesting uh you know which teams are able to kind of weather through that storm and uh figure it out for the year. But yeah, I think um you know overall the Competitive uh, health, I guess, of the Xfinity series and um, the Truck series, I think you know, is very in question, uh, and it has been for a long time. And uh, we kind of ignore that, you know, with the the playoffs and all that stuff being all three series and stage racing. You know, you still see competitive battles between some of the Cup affiliated teams and some of the Xfinity uh, only teams. But then once you get down into the the weeds of the series, um, you know, there's a lot of questions. Uh, in those ranks, I mean, you go back a decade, even 15 years ago, uh, it didn't really look like that and it certainly looked a lot more healthier than it is now. And I think um, as we go further, um, you have to start answering some of these questions of you know, how healthy is, is these uh, two series in NASCAR.
0: And that's something we'll get into next week because we're going to be spending a lot of time on NASCAR uh because it's daytona uh, it's the biggest race of the year for all three series really um and it's you know uh, daytona is the home of nascar so we will get into that episode 100 will be uh, very nascar centric um next week and hopefully we'll have some uh, extra people on or at least one extra person um we'll work on that or the ep we'll, we'll try to work on that uh, for sure. In uh, transition, we will go to formula one and um, blue balls uh, debuted their uh, new uh, car that they'll uh, try to go and steal another championship in uh, as they did last year. I mean, I, 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 that's kind of, it's a, it's a hasty generalization on my part. I mean, fish lips had the best car most of the year and he was the dominant figure but lewis came around mercedes came around and took it to them uh the brazilian grand prix was proof even though fish lips tried to run him off the track because he doesn't know how to drive his own car um around another person got to the point where uh lewis had him beat and needed help. They needed help to go and get what they got, um, even though they had dominated most of the year. Um, in this case, now uh, uh, the uh, they launched their car, and Oracle will be a part of their um, sponsorship team. So then they'll be now the um, Oracle Red Bull Racing team, uh, or for the sake of this team, um, Blue Balls. Uh, racing team, the RB 18, uh, as a short-term Hondo, continuous engines. pairs so engines. it it's brand new from HRC. So HRC, which is, uh, same kind of thing as their motorcycle, uh, conglomeration when they go into world Superbikes and even in MotoGP, uh, that's what, um, the, they'll have on the cars so they debuted their car uh formula one there's been um other launches here um uh, what do you call it? there's more la- or, and there's more launches uh coming up here uh, here next week so we'll we'll talk about that um in episode 100 in uh regards to any other stuff i mean lando norris signed an extension through 2025 so mclaren is committed to lando norris being their lead guy and uh daniel ricardo i'm sure is wondering what he has to do um he's probably gonna have to do a lot better than he did last year to um confirm and and keep his ride uh uh, outside of that of course the announcement you know they showed mercedes uh their social media was showing a lot of george uh george russell showing his kit going or showing him wearing the kit going and talking about george russell george russell and then two days ago seven time decided to say i'm back uh kind of michael jordan style um, he was laying in the weeds out in the wilderness probably banging out hot babes and making bad music and doing whatever else hell else that lewis likes to do And um, yeah, he just decided on a Monday. Yeah, I'm back. (laughs) You know, you know, you know, I'm like one of the greatest ever Um, a couple weeks, a week or so after Tom Brady decides that he's going to quit. But now we're talking about, oh, he may not have quit and he might end up getting traded to the 49ers that we got another GOAT um, candidate. Deciding, oh yeah, I'm back. Um, I was talking like one of my co-workers. I was like, he's going to do the Ayrton Senna thing in 1993, where he'll show up and he'll race for like a million dollars a race. Of course, now it would probably be like $10 million a race. So that would be $230 million. I'm sure he would show up for $10 million a race. I think he would show up for $5 million a race. Because um, I would still be $165 sixty five million. Yeah, I think he'd, he'd show up for five. I think he'd show up for one – he'd show up for a million dollars race because Senna did it um, as I'm wearing my my Senna T-shirt um, that is overpriced on F1.com, but it's Ireton-Senna, so they know that they have marks. It's I When it comes to Ireton-Senna or Lewis Hamilton stuff, I'm the same way as most Clyde fans um, because they'll buy anything um, that has Clyde stuff. I mean, I think Clyde's taken shits, and people have bought his shits. So, I mean, in regards to the F1 news, I mean, there's going to be a lot more reveals of the cars or at least a base of what the car is going to be. Once the testing is starts, we're going to see what their aero packages are. Uh, But, you know, Blue Balls showed their car. They have a new sponsor. You know, some of the things are different, but that's their challenger that uh, Fishlips and uh, Checo are going to be battling here for this new season new uh regulations um but it's just a sign of things to come here williams is going to have new uh livery uh you know there's some other news uh on motorsport.com if you want to go and check it out they do a great job overall um So what are your thoughts on the uh, reveal there for blue balls, or at least that's what I'm going to call them. I mean, Josh, you're you're fully available to call them by their actual name and call the driver who is the world champion uh, by his actual government, but as as a as a host. And because he's he's a piece of shit, I'm just gonna call him Fish Lips, um, and save myself the trouble. I, I if I'm on Grid Talk, I'll call him by his government, and I'll call the team by their team name.
1: But it's my show, um. So I'll, I mean, I'll you call could them call them day. the Blue Bulls. You know, just slowly work it in there, and then you know, just over time, maybe mix it up. Say Red Balls, right? And then just well, yeah, Red they- Ball,
0: yeah. yeah. But then that's the Red Balls thing goes back to Chappelle's show. So that's why I'm like the blue balls thing kind of goes multiple that. ways because Chappelle Show had red balls and that was playing his um cocaine when when his his dude Tyrone Wigum Bigums or whatever when he, he the cocaine addict and he was like I got red balls <laughs> and then he lifted up like a bus, a New York bus. Oh, this guy's high on crack and coke or whatever crack. And he's like, and and they went and called some like, yeah, that was a great segment. Um, so I can't really say red balls, but blue balls kind of fits, you know, the whole one-eyed Marco Karen Horner thing. So I mean, I I do agree with you though. Um we'll 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 figure it out. Uh but first look at in more or less an actual twenty twenty-two car here um fish lips and uh, checo perez and what else uh you thought about um in regards to the news of course lewis i think everybody in their mother knew he was going to come back but uh, lewis announcing his uh, return to race with george russell at mercedes here in 2022
1: Yeah, you know, i think you know for red bull i mean i'll call them by their actual names but I think for them, it's a pretty significant reveal because you know one, they didn't actually reveal their real car. This is basically the spec model that was given to the teams uh, last year, and uh, what the F one uh, regulations had revealed. But this uh, is basically just a, a paint scheme, a livery reveal showing their branding, showing the new the new deals that they've made uh, for this season. I think it's pretty significant that. They're partnering now with uh, Oracle. Of course, they Oracle was a uh, associate partner or whatever the correct term is uh, in from past years, and you saw it on as part of uh, associate sponsorship on on their uniforms, on their car. But now they've basically been elevated to um, main. Uh, title sponsor of of the car i mean they don't have to sponsor anybody because or red bull they don't have to get a sponsor because red bull's already a brand but now oracle a uh, big you know tech giant i've used a lot of their products as a developer but um you know big company and it's a pretty significant investment for a u.s based company to be a, a title partner for a formula one team and shows how uh, there's beginning to be more uh, influence with uh, the u.s uh, in regards to f1 and they're you know continuing to grow the sport and i think if, the more um you know american sponsors you get it's gonna start to show a lot more uh, influence from the u.s uh, with the series and certainly help grow the series among the fan base uh with um you know this country and um elsewhere so that's uh, i think what probably is the most uh, significant part of that reveal was, of course, um, you know they showed officially that Max Verstappen is going to be driving number one, as uh, traditionally champions uh, do in racing. Of course, uh, they're not going to reveal the actual car until testing, and um, I think that was the same last week for Haas as well. They revealed their car, and um, of course nobody cares, but it's just a rendering of the delivery, and they'll actually show what it looks like at testing. Then going on to the McLaren news. Of course, they'll be revealing their car on Friday. Uh, so going to be basically another paint scheme reveal, but, uh, it's, it's a good, good time to see what the cars will, will look like in terms of just their, um, that aspect, but, uh, Lando basically getting long-term commitment for the next couple of years, um, for McLaren, pretty significant. And then of course, yeah, you mentioned Daniel Ricciardo as well. Um, I think, if Daniel Ricciardo doesn't show up this year and at least match the results of uh, Lando, it's going to be tough uh, for him to find a uh, ride at McLaren because of course they could m- decide to move on from him uh, after this year if he doesn't pick up the performance. So that's going to be something to look out for um, the dynamic between those two drivers, uh, especially as they continue to try to progress and be that kind of third team in uh, F1 behind Red Bull and Mercedes. then, uh, you know, last with Lewis, of course, uh, he was coming back. I mean, I had no doubt in my mind that he would come back. Um, I mean, there's obviously some speculation on if he wouldn't come back, if he just decided to, you know, hang up and be like, I'm out of here um, in F1. I mean, obviously would have understood the decision, but, you know, knowing Lewis and how competitive he wants to be and, you know, how much he wants to continue uh, to prove himself in racing in F1 to establish his uh legacy and show that he is the greatest of all time. Um no doubt that he absolutely had to come back. One to be able to race in this car, you know, two to um get back at the ending of last year's championship and then I think three also to you know be a mentor uh to uh George Russell um and at least have a chance to race against probably um somebody's gonna be maybe one of the better teammates he's had uh, at Mercedes. Um, I think probably someone who's gonna be able to challenge him competitively, uh, similar to Nico Rosberg uh, in that rivalry that they had uh, for a few years when uh, it was those two drivers uh, racing at uh, Mercedes. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how Lewis is able to perform this year. And you know, hopefully he uh, continues to have the type of success that he's had and uh, is able to um, continue to grow the sport and uh, show how great he is. So uh, we'll see you know, what happens for all these teams as we progress forward into this year and uh, what they're going to be able to uh, show at testing and if their cars are going to uh, be as fast as what they look like
0: yeah and that's one thing we have to find out you know we don't know what red bull truly has uh with their arrow Um, of course when you think about adrian newey and um his his abilities can imagine with these new regulations what he was able to uh, kind of build uh, and make uh, within the regulations that exist now but Mercedes ain't going to go away. You have some of these other teams that are trying to get back up there. Um, and that's something we'll see here as the next few days go along. How many of these teams really reveal, fully reveal what they have to show before they go and uh, go to Catalonia for testing. And they only have two tests, I believe, um, this year compared to the 3 fad in recent years. Uh in other news uh in regards to the roundup, the race of champions took place in um uh, last last week, and we saw uh you know what is it uh Sebastian Loeb won the individual uh event there, which proves you know, yet again he's one of the greatest ever. If you can go and bring that up here on this. Yeah, Sebastian Loeb, fourth race of champions victory uh in Sweden and then the Nations Cup went to nor the to Norway with uh Petter and Oliver Solberg uh, beating the United States duo of Jimmy Johnson and Colton Herta who was filling in for Travis Pastrana after he tried to end himself in a Subaru station wagon. <laughs> So Peter Silber gets his uh, win, uh, second win in the Nations Cup. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, it's funny how Sebastian Loeb, who was one of his, uh, somebody he had to deal with for many years in World Rally Championship. And after Loeb won Rally Monte Carlo, um, for him to go and win with his son, big deal uh, uh Petter Solberg winning with his son Oliver who is on in the motor I mean in World Rally Championship right now uh yeah I mean Sebastian Vettel losing to Sebastian Loeb is I mean it's not s- shocking you know two of the greats ever uh winning or getting into that spot in the head to head um Loeb finished second in the Dakar Rally wins rally Monte Carlo again, this time for Ford. And then, um, you know, Vettel, uh, who, I mean, low beat uh, Matthias Ekstrom and then uh, to get to the final and uh, Vettel defeated Tom Christensen, uh, the goat at Le nine time Le Mans winner. And um, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. there two of the greats and I kicked up, regime, blah, 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 blah. go through all that. That's awesome. Super. Um, Go to all series here on and go into the schedule. We'll get into the Formula E Mexico City E-Pre. Formula E, of course, raced in uh, Saudi. And um, they have... I hate the way they've laid out this website uh, for... um, for the um, Motorsport.com, I mean, Nick DeVries, defending series champion, and his teammate Stoffel Van Dorn, finished 1 2. Jake Dennis for Andretti Autosport finished third. Sam Bird, Luca Negrassi with his new. Um, Venturi going to Venturi was a top five. And then in uh, Jaguar tie-up with Envision goes beyond the Formula Vision Envision run. Oh, so Envision, who has been Audi-powered, now will be Jaguar-powered in the new season, the, 20, the 22-23 season. And then um, Eduardo Mortara won uh, the second race. Venturi, um, Rocket Venturi racing. Um, go over Robert Fries, look at Degrassi, his teammates. So Venturi won three. Uh, Robin Franz for Virgin, Andre Lauder for Porsche, fourth, Jake Dennis, fifth. So a three five for Jake Dennis. So we'll see what happens there. Um, of course, uh, you know, in regards to Nick DeVries, won the first race, finished 10th in the second race. Oliver Askew's in uh, Formula E this year. He finished 12th in race two. And then, what's it called? He finished, uh, and he finished, um, he ended up finishing ninth in race one. So, a uh, good debut, solid debut there for Oliver Askew. We'll see what he's able to do for Andretti uh, Autosport in this next race, Dragon, course, has a team as well, American team, Jay Pensky, Sergio Sette Camara, and Antonio Giovanazzi, who had a very mediocre weekend to start his Formula E career. Italian Jesus, as some people like to call him. Um, very uh, nondescript debut in Formula E. Uh, let's Go to uh, the MotoGP testing. They're in Indonesia. are going to be going to Indonesia. Uh, MotoGP, um, they've had launches. The Grassini launch was nearly a month ago. RNF MotoGP team launch. Um, that's the Yamaha team, the the, the new uh, Yamaha's um, junior team effort the old patronus sapang racing team um razlan razali whatever i'm telling you with you okay 15 time ogp race winner andre devizioso and darren binder moving from moto three um his brother his older brother brad uh is in uh on ktm ktm ducati have uh already had uh their their uh uh, li- launches as were livery launch. Pramac, Yamaha, Suzuki. Um, the testing in Sepang. And, you have know, the Honda launch yesterday. LCR launch today, and then Aprilia is going to launch tomorrow. The VR46 team. Will launch on the 24th of February. So after the 500, a uh, couple of weeks uh, or so before the first race in Qatar. Suping uh, uh, issued MotoGP warning after Spargaro. Yeah. Uh, pol Spargaro breached uh, COVID protocols. So that was great by him. Uh, but it's not shocking. It seems like that's the thing. It's the the whole he's immunized, immunized or whatever the hell Aaron said uh, to justify getting out of there. Uh, the February testing and MotoGP at Sepang, they're back. Uh, uh, Toraro, you got three days. Or Bastaini there, Smashes lap record on final day. Um, KTN has a guy, yeah. So there's there's a lot going on there. Um, Espargo, Aprilia, one, two, with Maverick Vinales, his new teammate. Uh, Sacrifice, I mean, there's, there's you gotta go and look at it. I mean, Ducatis are fast. They got so many factory bikes out there. Um, one, three, Grassini with Bassaini, Alice Espargo for Aprilia, uh, Jorge Martinez, that's my fault, it was Alice Espargo, not pole Um, Martin for Ducati, Alex Rins in fourth for Mercedes. Or Mercedes, what the fuck? Suzuki, um, Maverick Vinales for Aprilia, Peko Bagnaya, Quattoraro, the second and first place from last year. Mark Marquez, Johan Zarco, Pola your top 10. Um, 27 riders here during the test. Uh, day two results. There's C. Yeah. Ping every testing and news, and then yeah, so then you have um, yeah, so in day one, it was Aprilia 1 2, Alex Rins in third, bastaini and Zarco fourth, and fifth for Ducati Quattraro 6 for Yamaha, defending world champion Joanne Mir former world champion, seventh, Marquez Polis, where the Honda, the reps all Honda teammates, and Marco Bisecchi. For VR46, his teammate will be Luca Marini. Then you have, I'm looking at some of these other things, trying to identify some people, the RNF Yamaha team struggling for pace. Uh, so, we'll see you happy <laughs> in regards to MotoGP as we get into testing more deeply. Um, past events, of course, we had the uh, World Superbikes, at Intercontinental GT Challenge at Kailami, nine hour event. There, gotta go and bring that up, uh, just briefly, I guess. Uh, in Kailami, Ferrari and Audi wins at Kailami. So, ASP Mercedes wins with Raffaele Marciello, Jules Gunan, and Timur Boschuslewski. And, um, the Ferrari AF course of Ferrari of Come like. Ledugar, Alessandro Paraguidi, and Miguel Molina. And then the Audi of Patrick Nier- Niederhauser, Marcus Winkelhock, and Calvin Vanderlinda uh, was third. The last car in the lead lap was Christopher Hossum, awesome, Mattia Drudi, and Charles Wirtz in the WRT Audi. In the uh, Kailami Nine Hour World Superbike, uh, they had testing at Portimao. Um, in general, there world superbike trying to go and get to uh, the news champion, Toprac. I'm just gonna call him Toprac. Um, he's gonna get a Mo- 2022 MotoGP test. Um, rider coach, uh, yeah, Davies and rider coach. Interesting. Danilo Petrucci to join World Superbike test out of likely Moto. America move, so he'll be coming over here to the States. That'll be something after he's doing rally raid at the Dakar rally. Um Honda betting uh, on Young Riders the correct way, that's Icar Lackawona. Um so you got Honda really impressed by Lackawanna and Javi Vieje. Uh, so they got two rookies in the Moto or in the World Superbikes. Yeah, so Toprack will be number one. The GRT World Superbike team will have Kota Nozani and Garrett Gerloff. Um, the HRC Honda team will have Iker Lakoona and uh, what's it called? Javi Viehe. Jonathan Ray, for the first time in many years, will go back to his usual number of 65 um, after years of being the champion. Alvaro Bautista joins Michael Rubin Rinaldi at Aruba, IT Ducati. Alex Lowe's will be the teammate too. Uh, Johnny Ray at uh, Kawasaki. Ise, was it Isaac Vinales? So that's Maverick Vinales' brother, be riding for Moto X Racing. You have the half siren and Leandro Mercado Honda. Riders. Scott Redding will be riding for BMW alongside Michael Vandermark. Got other than that, yeah, Loris Baz, Andrea Locatelli riding the second Pada Yamaha uh, alongside Toprak. So we will see what that looks like as the year goes on in world superbikes. We'll move on to football. Uh, there's a uh, Pretty big game going on in uh, uh, Inglewood this weekend. Uh, They have, what is it, good morning football shooting live at 4 o'clock. Local time there in the morning, Uh, so it's a pretty big deal. NFL honors will be tomorrow. we got the Super Bowl. I'm going to allow you, Josh, to go and kind of uh, set the table in regards to this game. Uh, You know, L.A. Rams uh, got in because the Niners fucked up. And then uh, the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs, thankfully, and uh, set up this intriguing matchup between two number one overall picks at quarterback. And you have some, you know, Aaron Donald is one of the best defensive players ever. Um, You know, Von Miller is another one. And you have some. And Jalen Ramsey is out there, too. So can the Rams at home, second year in a row, the home team uh, lead, and in this case the lead tenant, um, hosts the Super Bowl in a sense can it be two in a row for the LA Rams or is or Cincinnati, is Cincinnati finally going to exorcise their demons that they've had since winning the World Series in 1990 um, with the Reds finally go and get that elusive championship and Joe Burrow gets a statue in front of the stadium at like 25 years old.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a tough matchup, a really interesting matchup uh, between these two teams and both of them are offensive powerhouses. I think you, you got on the Bengals side, you know, Joe Burrow, uh, Joe cool smoking cigars after winning games. You've got Joe Mixon uh, T Higgins Jamar Chase, of course, big uh rookie wide receiver. Uh, you got Ty uh, Tyler Boyd, also really good wide receiver. Uh, and then uh, CG Uzma Uzumanzama or whatever his name is uh, as tight end. Uh, may or may not play in the game. MCL sprain, but we'll have to see what happens. But you've got uh that matchup. And then on the other end, uh, you have Matthew Stafford, Cam Akers, Odell Beckham Jr. Um. Uh, Got a bunch of guys on the Rams, and plus their defense. You have uh, Jalen Ramsey, like I said, of course, traded from the Jaguars a couple of years ago. You got Aaron Donald, Von Miller, uh, pass rushing. So it's going to be a really tough matchup uh, on both ends. And uh, the Bengals defense uh, is not that great, I think, but they were able to hold the Bengals, or they were able to hold the uh, the Chiefs to three points in the second half. Uh, so it's going to be pretty uh, interesting if they can hold uh, the Rams to some you know, low amount of points throughout the game. But I feel like this is probably going to be like a 38-35, a 31-35 type of game where we go kind of score for score until like the last minute and it's going to end on either a walk-off touchdown or a walk-off field goal. Uh, that's what I, I think will happen. Um, I expect Stafford uh, to be able to... Throw down the field. Uh, I think he was injured during the NFC Championship game, but it's had a couple of weeks now to kind of heal up from that. Uh, a lot of play-action passing, set up the you know run to set up the pass. That's kind of what the, the Rams are made out of. That's their philosophy. Uh, and that's also kind of the same philosophy as well with the Bengals. Uh, they do a lot of running the football with Joe Mixon. Joe Burrow is able to throw down the field, and, and they're able to um, throw, match uh, whatever the other team's doing. So I expect it to kind of go either way. Uh, for me, you know, I've got the uh, the Bengals picked, uh, made a bet with a friend, just a, you know, friendly bet between ourselves. Uh, so put up 50 uh, bucks on that. And hopefully it comes through for me, and then I can just take my friends $50 and call it a day. Uh, but we'll see what happens. But uh, This game's going to be, uh, yeah, it's just going to be a really interesting offensive matchup on both sides. Uh, it's, you know, Joe Burrow gonna be able to smoke cigars like he does at uh, LSU after winning the national championship, after winning the AFC championship, or is it gonna be uh, Matthew Stafford finally winning a ring after years of you know being stuck in Detroit uh, with a, a lot of losing, a, a lot of not winning, uh, dysfunction? And It's gonna be something to see if he can pull off a Super Bowl ring, especially you know after all he's been through in his career and his personal life uh, with his wife you know, having brain cancer and all that stuff. Uh, it's gonna be interesting if he can uh, come come out with a ring here, and it's gonna validate the uh, the Rams' uh, team building philosophy. If you look at how they assembled their team in the National Football League, basically they've went out and decided screw draft picks. We're gonna go out and acquire proven players from other teams, and that's exactly what they've done. Uh, they acquired Von Miller. You know, they acquired Matthew Stafford, of course. Big trade there from twenty twenty one. Acquired Jalen Ramsey in a trade with Jacksonville that clearly the Rams have won in that trade uh, in 2019. Um, You had Odell Beckham. They picked up off the street after uh, the Browns cut him in the middle of uh, the 2021 season. Uh, And a lot of other moves that they've made where they've just traded players or traded for players. And it's certainly a move uh, or a type of philosophy that can work if you're able to win the Super Bowl and you have the right people around your team to do that. But uh it's not something i think is sustainable um i think uh once they win the super bowl they're probably gonna have to ha- clear out a lot of cap and get rid of a lot of guys trade them away because uh, that's basically what they've done they traded for a bunch of players to try to go out and win a super bowl and then once that happens it'll be all over which could happen as early as this year i don't know don't have all the knowledge on The Rams contracts but could happen whereas uh, I think the Bengals certainly a team that builds through the draft and uh, compared to what they have before and they could have sustained year over year success uh, coming to them in the future but as far as this game goes I'm picking the uh, the Bengals and hopefully I'm right
0: I mean I'm definitely picking the Bengals because I just don't want to watch the LA Rams win uh, for many reasons, <laughs> the least of which is you know they beat the Niners in the NFC Championship game, and the Niners should have been in this game. Uh, Stat Padford, uh, Sean McVeigh, who I think at this point in the way coaching works, if if you you change Sean McVay's diaper, I think you get a head coaching uh, interview. Um, if you bought him, if you made his hair gel. I think you get a coordinator interview. Um, If you walked his dog, you get an interview. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's a big game for him, for sure. If he goes and loses two Super Bowls, albeit he's made two Super Bowls in what, like four years or whatever the hell, five years, that's pretty damn good, Um, but as you said, they're model is not sustainable um it's part and parcel why sean payton said he needed to take a break pulling a pulling a a page out of his mentor bill parcells playbook saying oh um i have health problems and this i mean he was a fat fuck but that's part of what helped but oh i need to take a break oh i don't want to i'm not going to finish the job with the jets um like a bitch Um, When I was a Jets fan, he should have finished a job and they could have actually won a Super Bowl or something. But instead he said, oh, I had this, I had that. Belichick, tried to force Belichick into being the coach, and then he left for New England. Um, I mean, I think at the end of the day, this is going to be a good game. It should be a tight game, but it's going to come down to L.A.'s defense and how much they can get to Burrow. Um, Jalen Ramsey is going to be on Jamar Chase probably uh, for a good part of the game. And so that means Tyler Boyd. That means um, T Higgins are going to have to go and do some work against their other corners. Uh, Eric Weddle's out there uh, he's old and kind of washed up. So that might be a, an option run game, of course, with uh, uh, both teams have solid run games uh, but you know we you look at Joe Mixon, he could be an X factor there in this football game uh, in regards to ball control and trying to give Joe Burrow more room to do work. Uh, Joe Burrow has not lost for a while in a playoff situation. Um, he is one of the next big things in the NFL. The Bengals have to protect him because he's probably the best player they've had. Uh, most, uh, I guess, box office player they've had since George Esiason. So um, they, whatever happens in this game, I don't think it'll be the last appearance. For as cheap as the Bengals are, they have a box office guy. So there are people that'll want to come and play with him. So, um, but I'm hoping that the Bengals win. Personally, I think the Bengals are a good enough team to beat the Rams. The Rams proved um, after some injuries took place and certain stuff happened that they were very average. The Niners beat them six times in a row and made it. I mean, they were down 21 to nothing in the week 18 game and came back. They were down 21 to three at half and came back and won to get into the playoffs and get within a few minutes of going to the super bowl again uh so but in turn the rams are a tough team they have a lot of good players but if they don't win this year it's going to be very hard to see how they're going to actually sustain uh an actual legitimate nfl team and yeah. I mean, they'll have Aaron Donald, they'll have Stafford, they'll have you know some of these other veteran pieces, but they don't have draft capital. You have cap hell, you know, like New Orleans and some of these other teams. It's gonna blow up in their faces. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the hell it's really gonna come off. So they have the players, they have they have the talent. It should be an intriguing contest. I hope it's an intriguing contest to justify watching it, since my team's not in it. Um, but we will see um, not really betting not really into it I haven't really been into it in general once the Niners lost it uh, I lost my interest but football football um, and, uh, I mean not the Pro Bowl I mean the Pro Bowl is a complete disaster all these all-star uh, games are a waste of time
1: two-hand touch uh, can you believe it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the the you're you're watching the saturday stuff whatever the skills competitions that's literally what it should be if you make the pro they say oh you have the pro bowl okay you can go and do skills competitions you go and do some other crap then give them a bonus there shouldn't be a game uh they would save everybody a lot of time and trouble because it's a joke it's um it's it's basically flag football um you know, I think that's probably what they should just do instead of making them get into pads and making all these plans or whatever just make it a flag football game and uh, give the bonuses out accordingly. Uh, the head coaching situation now all the head coaching jobs have been filled in um, the NFL now. The uh, thing is eight head coaching jobs So a quarter of the league was uh, had jobs open, and all those jobs are now filled. Coaching head coach openings. Yeah, that's what I was trying to look for right there. Um, You got, you know, we talk about eight head coach openings. The um, yeah, Dennis Allen is the most recent hire. Um, He was the defensive coordinator um alan seconds he was the raiders head coach for three years um or two what is it yes is it yeah. he was 16 32 yeah he was two years plus and um he'll take over lovey smith will um be on his third head coaching uh job
1: uh, great beard too
0: great beard and uh, pep hamilton will be the offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel will leave the 49ers coaching uh, staff uh, run game coordinator and kind of like an assistant. He's basically the offensive coordinator, but, you know, Shanny's the offensive, whatever. So he was a scheme guy, run game coordinator, uh, was responsible for implementing Debo Samuel into the run game, which really expanded the offense. Um so it's interesting to see what they'll be able to do what he's going to do with Tua uh, after they got rid of Brian Flores and then Doug Peterson uh, we will will go and sit on this one Doug Peterson the former Super Bowl winning head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles uh will uh take over from Urban Meyer as the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach um Oh, they're going to have a game in Germany. Look at that. The NFL. Uh, Steve Wilkes. Is that Steve Wilkes? Yeah. Joins Panthers, Donatel the Vikings, D.C., and then Blank, Falcon, the Redley, back. Oh, that's convenient. Um, Got, what is it? Yeah, the Raiders, of course, signed. We talked about the McDaniels hire. Stable for the Giants. Nate Hackett with the Broncos. flues with the Bears, and um, it says open, open head coach for the Minnesota. But I thought the op- they were they hired um, they hired Kevin O'Connell. Wasn't that wasn't that announced that Kevin O'Connell was the head coach of the Minnesota
1: Vikings? Yeah, and he is hired as the coach for the Minnesota Vikings, I believe, right?
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at this ESPN thing, and it. That's uh, from two days ago, and it says it's an open job. So I don't know how that is. Um, redrafting, drafting, head coaching, iron and firings. So I don't, I don't get that. That's I don't know how your ESPN and you know, Donna tell to be defensive coordinator um, deal isn't, but are expected to hire. Oh, because Kevin O'Connell is the offensive coordinator of the LA Rams. It's not official. They can't officially hire him as the head coach until after the Super Bowl game. Okay, that's that what that is. Sense. Okay, um, but yeah. So those. So in regards to the diversity aspect, McDaniel fills a sort of diversity hire. Um, to cover the fact that Brian Flores was fired um, even though he did what he had to do with a terrible roster really and a mediocre quarterback. The Houston Texans trying to save face for their just general lack of um, ability to be a functional franchise, hired Lovey Smith and uh, promoted Pep Hamilton. But outside of that, every other job was filled by a white guy. And then if you listen to the people that I I unfortunately seemingly hang out with or hang out around at the VFW, they're like, well, black guys are not uh, capable and they should only have four jobs because based on the percentages of African-Americans or people like they should only have that percentage of jobs in the NFL. If they're that good, they could get it and they can't. Let me, here's the thing. There are plenty of candidates of color that are uh, perfectly capable um, Byron Lefwich should have been a head coach in this cycle. Um, the Jaguars fucked up. I'm sorry. I'm I mean, you're you're a diehard, and I think you wanted him to. I think his he would have had a great connection with Trevor Lawrence, and I think he would have made a great offense with Trevor Lawrence. Um, but they fucked it up because Shad Khan's an idiot. Um, and and it's typical uh Trent balky uh Just the stench of him is what um, kept Leftwich in Tampa. Uh, Todd Bowles. I mean, I'm sure Todd Bowles, probably people don't want to touch him, but he's more qualified than some of these people that got hired. Um, D'Amico Ryans. I mean, I'm glad as a Niner fan that he didn't get hired this cycle, but it took years for Sala to get hired, and it was a joke. And Raheem Morris, he, he flamed out in Tampa. He had the what is it interim tag in Atlanta they played well and then they didn't even give him a look really to take over as a head coach Um, they gave it to Arthur Smith Um, so i mean there, there are candidates people call that really should deserve another opportunity or get an opportunity but they won't because it's basically like a plantation mentality in the nfl um but it's not really that shocking so i mean um you guys are your jacksonville jaguars hired a coach super bowl winning head coach but i'm not really sure if that was actually the a choice or if that was the best choice even though doug peterson is not a bad coach there josh
1: well yeah I mean- I mean, it's pretty interesting the way you know you put it with how the Jaguars with their coach uh search I mean I think you know they were ready to sign Byron Leftwich but then the stipulation of him wanting Trent or to you know put somebody else in place of Trent balky that was the stall uh there and it eventually led to the breakdown and then uh they went and got Doug Peterson but Doug Peterson was their first uh interview and Shad Khan noted that last year he wanted to talk to uh, Doug Peterson for an interview but Doug Peterson just been fired by the Eagles and wanted some time off uh from football and you know get get his mind right and all that stuff before uh, getting back into coaching and then this year they got and hire him of course um and I mean I think he'll be a good fit uh overall I mean I I wanted Byron Leftwich too uh cuz I think it was a more exciting hire uh in a lot of different ways but you know I think Doug Peterson's a solid uh 1a to that or you know second choice to that so it isn't all that bad and uh i think he's a guy that can help develop quarterbacks i mean we saw you know before carson wentz got hurt we saw what he could do with carson wentz um you know with what he was able to do with jalen hurts in 2020 also with his development as a rookie uh is pretty impressive as well uh there um you know, being able to get a super bowl performance out of Nick Foles you know the, uh, it says a lot about him and his coaching ability um and i think he's going to be able to do a good job of uh, probably the most talented quarterback he's you know ever coached alongside with uh as a as a head coach so uh look forward to him being able to design an offense to uh, design a staff for uh, uh Trevor Lawrence's success and already i mean for uh the coaching staff it looks like they're going to hire Mike McCoy to be the quarterbacks coach you know he's formerly coach of the Chargers offensive coordinator uh for the Cardinals and the Broncos when Manning was there um he's going to hire i think Jim Bob Cooter maybe a candidate for offensive coordinator he's had a lot of great I love offenses. that name I'm sorry yeah. Yeah, I love No it's Jim a great name
0: Bob Cooter yeah, yeah. yeah I remember him with Detroit he was oh great that that just makes me kind of root for you know the jack jaguars anyways because it's not just because you're your team but now you're gonna have jim bob cooter i, yeah, I mean it it's makes sense name. that 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 i mean if you could bring back uh gardner Minshew and have jim bob and gardner that would be perfect but you won't be able to do that
1: but jim bob cooter what her name? names <laughs> yeah good old jim bob yeah jim bob no but um uh, on defense, looks like uh, they're working on a deal to hire Mike Caldwell, the uh, linebackers coach from uh, the Buccaneers. Uh, so, looking like they're going to hire somebody from that train of thought. Uh, same with uh, Raheem Morris. Uh, going to be a lot of uh, blitz packages put in place. Um, you know, 40% of the time they blitzed on defensive uh, plays uh, th- this past season. So, look for that to change uh, this year for the Jaguars, increase in blitzes. Uh, if they end up hiring this guy, um, and it looks like just overall he's you know trying to build a staff that uh, can go out and just improve the team, and it looks like a lot of them are former players uh, who played, you know, of course played in the league. Uh, a lot of guys with uh, experience and everything, and so looks like it's going to be a lot more competent staff uh, this time around rather than just a bunch of people that you know like it was last year with Urban Meyer. Urban, you know, went out and hired a bunch of you know, people that were kind of in his circle or uh from his past and uh that didn't, you know, end up working out well, obviously. Uh, but now, of course, uh the ice cream man, Coach P gonna be able to lead the franchise, you know, hopefully lead him lead us to a uh, playoff berth uh and you know, hopefully a, a Super Bowl, which would be a first for a head coach to win a Super Bowl with uh two different franchises uh so gonna be looking forward to seeing you know what what he's able to do once he uh puts together full staff and uh you know once they get to free agency and decide uh the players that they want to pick uh in there and in the draft but looks like probably from from this that you know with uh, the way Peterson wants to build the team I could probably see them going offensive line in the draft and uh going you know to some kind of building base for Trevor Lawrence so we'll see what they do in the first round. But, I mean, as far as the process goes, it was, you know, definitely frustrating. It was a over-40-day search, you know, from the time they fired Urban to the time that they hired Peterson. And uh, they could have hired Peterson a lot shorter, a lot quicker. But, you know, it, it just uh, took a long time. And, uh, I mean, the of course, the story is, is that, you know, he wanted to vet and everything, and I don't know. You know, don't totally believe that. I think it was just incompetence by Shot Khan, um, and you know, it s- it says a lot about him as an owner. Uh, uh, heard one of the reasons, literally, like why he didn't want to fire Jim, or not Jim Caldwell, but why he didn't want to fire Trent balky is because. Uh, I guess he didn't feel like making a a firing and having to hire two people, both a GM and a head coach. He was like, Yeah, I don't feel like it. And then apparently, like the weekend leading up to the hiring, so last weekend, apparently he went and took a vacation to St. Barthes, like in the middle of the coaching search. And that's what kind of led to some of the um changes and or you know, interviews and uh, for the Jaguars over that that weekend. That was the NFC championship. Or, you know, the conference championship weekend, Rolex 24 weekend. And, uh, that was, I think they had tried to say that they were going to, uh, talk to Rich Biscotti, the former Besaccia, Biscotti, whatever. Besaccia, yeah. yeah Bissachia. Rich Balsack, whatever. You can call him uh, yeah,
0: Balsack and Biscotti. You know yeah. I
1: mean? Yeah. So that's, um, you know, that was probably going to be, if they had hired him, I mean, I don't care, you know, if he was good at coaching special teams or leading the Raiders from, uh, you know, potential uh, disaster to playoffs, but just, um, you know underwhelming coaching hire there if that had happened um and they i think yeah the kevin o'connell uh potential interview there that was um a result of that vacation because he just basically gave trent balky like the reins. is like okay go find some people to interview and then they had some stuff lined up and then ultimately they went and decided to hire doug peterson um, so it's just a lack of leadership overall, but it looks like the Jaguars are going to ha- have to hire an executive vice president of football operations. So similar to what they did with Tom Coughlin back in 2017, but actually this time they might hire an executive and it looks like maybe the executive is going to be uh, Rick Spielman from the, or formerly of the Minnesota Vikings. So um, looks like the, the league had to mandate that obviously uh, because d- the level of uh, dysfunction that, uh, the team has had the last couple of years, uh, unfortunately. But uh, if they have somebody who's kind of an overseer that can that the coaches and the GM can report to, um, then that person can report to Khan. Uh, that's probably a good model. And just adding a bigger front office in general. I mean, if you look at the Jaguars website, they don't really have a whole lot in the front office. So if they can you know, assemble a larger front office staff, uh, something to have a lot of uh, checks and balances in place. That would probably be a good idea to ha- uh to implement. Um, and then also, of course, Trent balky is still there, and obviously, it looks like you know Trent Baalke is going to work with uh, Doug Peterson uh, and whoever they hire above him. But I mean, if they're going to add, you know, bolster the front office and add more people around balky um, then maybe at least they can kind of limit the influence, limit the damage that uh, Trent Baalke can do. Um, and hopefully they can do that. And it's just not just like falke has got the all the power in his hands, which you don't want if, if he's got like all all the power, because um, if things go south, you know, he'll be able to tell on Doug Peterson, and things will quickly fall apart. And I mean, we already seen what what kind of influence he had uh, this past season against him and Urban, and uh, against or, or with Shad. Obviously, he's got his influence tightly wrapped around Shad and Shad just didn't feel like firing him for some reason, whatever. So we'll see what happens. Um, and, and Hopefully they build a, a better uh, free agency around this time that they had last year because, I mean, they hired a bunch of role players last year and paid a bunch of money. This year maybe they'll do do it differently and actually hire – or. Know, got and sign a bunch of guys that are legitimate free agents and pay people money to um, play for them um, and you know hopefully they can acquire quality players in the draft and then we go there from there onto the uh, season uh, later this year and then hopefully the Jaguars can uh, actually win win some games or at least look competent for once and not look like a joke so um, there's that, and also, uh, Jaguars related news. I mean, you mentioned the NFL honors are are later this week. Well, uh, Tony Baselli should be going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I've heard rumors that he's going to be in the class of uh 2022. So, you know, finally, a Jacksonville drafted player, someone who played their career in Jacksonville, finally going into the Hall of Fame. Um, for the first time, and you know, we don't have any players right now in the Hall of Fame, so it's going to be exciting. You know, there's probably going to be a, a lot of people that. Uh, make the trip out to Canton, Ohio to watch the uh, NFL uh, Hall of Fame ceremony. So finally somebody uh, for my team that's in the Hall of Fame and glad, you know, to have that heritage, even though um, I didn't really watch the Jaguars. I mean, I didn't really uh, know anything about football during his era in 1995, 2001. Um, I mean, if it was Jimmy Smith or Fred Taylor, you know, it'd be a little bit more, I guess exciting, but certainly there's a, a lot of pride uh, in seeing uh, players that were part of the the uh, first era of Jacksonville Jaguars football uh, finally be selected to be in the Hall of Fame. So uh, a lot to be proud of there. But you know, of course, coaching search. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it leads to championships, and you know all these current players being good. Um, to you know, be later going into the Hall of Fame and then also give credibility to players in the past like Jimmy Smith and Fred Taylor uh, to raise their case for being in the Hall of Fame.
0: It'd be cool for your franchise to get you know, finally get uh, established in the Hall of Fame itself, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, Sam Mills, the late Sam Mills, is part of the Carolina Panthers. He's more, I mean, he's connected with New Orleans Saints, of course, and then Carolina Panthers. You know, you think about Julius Pepper, some of these other people. Uh, Jacksonville doesn't have that same lineage, per se, in regards to those legends. But, I mean, you always remember Jimmy Smith. You remember... Fred Taylor, um, and, of course, Tony Baselli. When he was on the field, it was a very short career uh, because of injuries, but when he was on the field, he probably was the best left tackle in the NFL. Um, drafted, a think, Penn State guy. So, I mean. Uh, oh, Buscelli was, was USC. Or USC, sorry. Um, my fault. Um, he was a great, great tackle. Big guy um he was the highest one of the highest paid players in the nfl by the time he was done in jacksonville and they went and got rid of him in the the expansion draft the Houston texans got him and i don't even know how much he played for them so it'd be something to see i mean in regards to the hall of fame aspect you know i'm hoping p will uh gets gets in he's one of my favorite players ever uh it would be crazy he has his birthday's January twenty fifth, so it would be something um, if he can uh, get in there. Um, and that that would be Hall of Fame predictions. Yeah, Adam Rank. Well, Adam Rank said the Niners are going to go two and fourteen the year that uh, they made a Super Bowl. He's saying Demarcus, Ware, Tory, Hold, Richard Seymour, Tony Baselli as the four. Um, best knock has been like those career, Uh Terrell Davis, yeah, Richard Seymour, yeah, he was great. You know, Tori Holt, part of the greatest show on turf, Marcus Ware, um, and Dev, he put in Devin Hester. Oh, okay, all right. So, I mean, you got, I mean, in regards to the modern era finalists, you got. Real modern era, Andre Johnson and Marcus Verde, Devin Hester. Um, modern era, modern era finals, senior finals, Cliff Branch, Art McNally, and Dick Vermeil. 26 semifinalists, and I think was a five. Uh, Patrick Willis is there. I mean, Zach Thomas legendary linebacker for the Dolphins. Um Sam Mills, I thought he was in the Hall of Fame, so there you go. That's my fault. Okay. He has he's not in the Hall of Fame. I don't know how the hell that is the case. Um Andre Johnson, great. Uh wide receiver. Uh, Ronde Barber, Willie Anderson. I think it would be cool to see uh Cincinnati Bengal get into the Hall of Fame on the weekend the Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Uh, Jared Allen, I think is another one. I mean, there's a lot of great candidates. I mean, I'm biased with Patrick Willis and Brian Young. Uh, Both of them were career 49ers. You know, I think Patrick Willis should be in the Hall of Fame. He was one of the best linebackers in the game. Um, But he only had a seven year, or eight year career. I think Reggie Wayne should be in the hall of fame. They'll say, oh, he had Marvin Harrison next to him, but he was one of the best wide receivers in the game. We'll see what happens. Uh I'd love to see P Will get in there. Bryant Young was one of my favorite players back in his time and he went through a lot of bad years. Uh he won a Super Bowl as a rookie and then had to deal with a lot of bad uh but he was a leader and um he was a great player. So we will see who are the modern-era players uh, who make it in. Um, Keegan-Michael Key will be hosting NFL Honors, so we'll see what ends up happening with that. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the Open with the U.S. Open. Anthony Simonson's youngest guy ever to win the Triple Crown, um, winning three majors just over the age of 25, which is ridiculous. Uh, you know, going and you know talking about what he had to do. He bowled 232 to beat EJ Tackett, who had the number one seed and dominated all the way up through uh, through qualifying, but had one chance, one match to win at home in Indiana. He's an Indiana boy and fried in the finals. Simonson uh backdoored his way into the final uh, Bell, jason belmonte who was trying to win two consecutive tournaments to start the year uh two majors in a row to go and get the super slam be the only person ever to win the super slam twice uh lost 180 to 18, 168 after climbing the ladder pulled 246 in the first game over jake peters And then won by nine pins over AJ Johnson. He was using urethane uh, pitch black in the first match and was like basically untouchable. Uh, Second match, I think he had to transition out into more reactive equipment and those conditions on the lanes started breaking down. And that also led to why it was 181, 180-168 match in the semifinal. But Simo, triple crown winner now. Um, he's, he's one of the best players there is. $100,000 win for the guy who owns the Nerd uh, Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Belmo, uh, early leader in the points uh, with his first and third so far this year. So, um, Tommy Jones just missed the show. Tom Doherty, seventh. Uh, Sam Cooley was ninth. Wes Millat, tenth. Lavois, Frankie Lavois, eleventh. Rash, twelfth. Patrick Dombrowski, thirteenth. Wesley Lowe, fourteenth. Andrew Anderson, seventeenth. Uh, the House members, Brad Miller, Chris Prather, Kyle Sherman, all were part of the Cashers. Um, the the round, what is it, the match play portion. Now, Bill O'Neill missed the match play by a few pins along with uh, reigning player of the year, Kyle Troop. Benji Martinez, who made TV uh, a couple uh, week weeks or so ago, finished 28th. Marshall Kent, Ronnie Russell, Spencer Robarge, part of the uh, Wichita State um, A-team. <laughs> Ends up being the uh, third best amateur in the field. Ryan Simonelli, uh, former uh, Northeast guy, now a North Carolina dude. Uh, Mitch Hooper was the last person uh, house guy to make money. Tom Smallwood, Norm Duke, the legend, uh, Miss Just Miss Stout, DJ Archer, a uh, big friend of Mookie Betts, um, finished 40th. <laughs> Defending U.S. Open champion Chris Vi, 44th ahead of his um, partner in TV Bowling Supply, Michael Tang in 45th. Dom Barrett, former winner of this tournament, 46th, tied with Sean Maldonado and Jason Sterner. Uh, Packy finished 49th. Martin Larson, 52nd. Graham Fah, uh, 53rd. Jillian Martin, the only woman um, to bowl, it looks like, in this field, finished just ahead of five-time U.S. Open champion and one of the greatest of all time. Who do you think you are? I am. Uh, Pete Weber, uh, the senior, now senior tour player. And you got D. Tang, Chris Barnes, former U.S. Open winner. Perry Krell, the fourth, uh, who's an amateur and he made the show, made a couple of shows last year. Um, going through some of the Dick Allen, Anthony Nyer, the red uh, Ginger assassin. Uh, what was it A.J. Chavins, Anthony Lee Respar, Tim Foyer, Jesper Svensson struggled, but then just won earlier uh, today in a tournament. Uh, so I think he's okay. Bailey Maverick, was it Christian Escona? i'm looking at some of these other people 108 players played or matt russo i don't know why there was such a small field other than COVID. um kevin williams withdrew and gurethane won working so that is that they're going to be playing the storm cup they played that and yes for one david smalls best of the best and then next week they'll be playing the david smalls kokomo championship at the heritage lanes before they go to the Tournament of Champions at Riviera Lanes in Ohio, which is a legendary spot. They used to run the Firestone Tournament of Champions there. So it's a it's a, a throwback. Then they're going to be bowling the roth Doubles and Guaranteed Rate World Series of Bowling in uh, Wisconsin uh, in March. So that's what we'll be uh, looking at. Uh, as we go along here to PBA tour schedule. All right, Josh, um, your your time here again in regards to what's going on in the sim game. Uh, IndyCars ran a pro event here tonight, and uh, Felix Rosenquist actually won that race. Um, let us know what happened with that, and then what you're doing on the sim game too.
1: Yeah, I, I caught a little bit of that uh earlier. Uh, I think I caught the first one, actually. Um, it's a little bit busy with stuff, at work and all that. But, um, I mean, it looks like it's just a preview overall of the uh, new IndyCar game. I think it's coming out later this year or in 2023. Uh, but it, so far, I mean, graphically, it looks about the same as... The NASCAR Ignition 2021 game. Uh, I think they're both made by the same publisher, uh, same company, uh, Motorsport Games. So uh, that's going to be interesting if you know, they can make a viable IndyCar game. I and mean, talk about it before. I think it's also based on the same uh, engine that R Factor Two uh, is made out of. Um, and I think there's, uh, if you look at the physics of it, of the game and the gameplay looks very similar from that aspect uh, there. So that's going to be interesting to see with uh, what they're able to do with an IndyCar game and if uh, they can uh, get a lot of people to get into, uh, get into IndyCar with a, a console game or even a, just a PC game that's uh, focused on IndyCar only. Um, and there were some differences, obviously, because uh, I think, yeah, they they race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, and they do have the current configuration uh, for IndyCar. Whereas I think in iRacing right now, it's still the um, the old layout of the uh, Indianapolis Road Course. Um, I think there's been you know some changes made uh, in the past couple of years to you know the the first turn uh, at the road course, and then also on the backstretch, how how they have that. Uh, now, uh, for the road course, but, and then of course the, um, the last, I guess, like inner loop before they get back onto the main straight, um, that's not currently in iRacing, I believe it's still the same kind of like F1 layout from, you know, back in the day. So they haven't really, iRacing hasn't really updated that with, um, iRacing or, you know, with Indianapolis, they'd have to do another track scan to get that all in there. But of course, um, Motorsport Games, they went out and was able to model that, uh, correctly so that was the one noticeable aspect is they had actually had the i guess correct track layout for the most part but i mean i'm very curious to see what the gameplay is like and how the car handles uh, if it's more of a sim thing or if it's going to be kind of like a mix of sim arcade you know simcade kind of thing uh there but then for iRacing. uh I think this week, if I'm able to do it, uh, I think there's you know some racing with the 87 car at Daytona, uh, Cup cars at Daytona Road Course, um, maybe do some Honda Civic Type R uh, in uh, the Touring Car Series, which is uh, at Lime Rock Park this week. So that might be interesting. Might be a little bit of fun uh, there. Um, yeah, I mean that's all. Really, I have for that. Uh, We'll see if I'm able to do it. I may have some things going on this weekend, but um, see if I get on, hop on iRacing uh, before or after the Super Bowl. We'll see how how I'm feeling. Um, I think, yeah, that's it for me for this. But, of course, as always, you you can follow me on Twitch at uh, Twitch TV slash UCL two and you know, make sure to let everybody know when I'm streaming and all that stuff. Um, so you can go and watch uh, if you want, of course you can't make it on there. You can always go onto the channel and go and hit follow and then get notifications or all that stuff where you can just uh, click on the replays of the streams and then watch that. If you feel like it.
0: Yeah. Go and follow Josh in regards to his streams. I know that as the season goes along and things happen, he'll be racing more. He's really solid i um, way more patient than I'll ever be. Um, I'm liable to go and yard sale a field. Uh, if I ever get the means to have a proper SIM setup, it'll happen. Uh, but until then, I'll just be podcast guy and uh, Baba Bowie type. Uh, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can find the Grip Strip Pod at Grip Strip Pod on Twitter. Uh, we have, uh, you know, small following there, but we also have, um, you know, we're, we're trying to build it up here, getting to episode 100. You know, we're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora. Uh, we're also on uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So follow us wherever you hear podcasts. Uh, follow us in general at CryptoPod. At Philip G. Matthew at J.P. Huffine uh, to go and give us support as we build this thing along. Um, we'll be back for episode 100 of the gripture Podcast next week, and um, hopefully to have some guests uh, to celebrate 100 episodes of this uh program i'm glad uh i'm thankful to you josh as always um, i say it every week or i try to every week um for uh, being my bro and the fact that we were able to make this happen during a pandemic um it kind of worked out the way it did and now we have a pretty good deal going on and we get actually imp- we get important people to actually come on this show too so um and- Important people, people that actually have something to do with this sport, really, and um, can make things happen. We get people who love this sport the way we do, and um, we get to talk about it the way we want to. Um, That's what makes it uh, great. That's why it's a GSP. Um, One of these days, we'll be able to go and update some of the other stuff uh, when uh, the executive producer gets a little bit more cash. But if uh, I start bowling better, I think I'll be able to take care of that. Um, uh, with that, we thank you for listening for the grip. listen to the strip podcast. Uh, for Josh, I'm Phil. We'll see you next week. Take care of one another. Take care of yourselves. Super Bowl weekend. So be safe. Don't do anything crazy. Um, if you are going to Super Bowl parties, be safe. I'm pretty sure there's gonna be checkpoints in the whole bit. Um, take care of yourselves and take care of your family a whole bit. and um, have fun, but do it safely. And uh, the Super Bowl stock car racing is coming. So we'll be talking about that on the Grip Street Podcast episode 100 next week. Go and take care of yourselves and each other. God bless. Good night.